You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. You are going to want to listen and take notes. We have a very special guest today. Today's guest is one of America's foremost child behavior experts and founder of the Post Institute for Family-Centered Therapy. He is an, an internationally recognized speaker, a consultant, as well as he's been an entrepreneur for over 25 years. And of course, this is really special for me because he is also the founder and CEO of Major Media League. So we will be talking a little bit about that. Major Media League is the host of this podcast or the sponsor, excuse me, of this podcast. And I'm so excited to welcome Brian Post to the show. Super excited to be here with you, Leah. It is it is actually an honor and a privilege to uh, to be interviewed on on this this platform and the gold standard with so many other phenomenal guests that you've had. So I feel very honored to be a part of a part of that uh, that that group of people. Well, and I love that you're going to bring something new and different to the table, but yet. And I think that is so important for our audience to listen to um, every one of us that grows up and we have different situations in our families, whether we had it growing up or whether we're parents and we deal with things with our own children. So let's just jump right in a little bit to um, tell us a little bit about your youth, your upbringing, your situation um, in your childhood. Well, I grew up in a little town um, in Mount, in Oklahoma called Mountain Views, 2,000 people in Western Oklahoma. So it was actually an idyllic country setting um, to be raised in. There's just it's hard to find that kind of place now. But I was adopted, and uh, I was adopted as an infant, and I spent probably my entire life there in Mountain View. I also had a, a little sister who was adopted. She was a year younger than me, and um, we both came from traumatic. Um, early, early environments. And, and that's part of my, my purpose and my passion in working with families and adopted children all these years is kind of rooted in that. We had a lot of problems. I mean, I, I was a kid with a lot of behavior issues. A lot of my behavior issues got masked, masked because I was very social. I was always a leader in school. I got good grades. Teachers loved me. I was a good athlete. And so it was easy. I mean, you could very easily call me the golden child in my family. And the contrast to that was my sister, who had a completely different um, early birth experience, which I think defined her life. And her relationship with my, with my parents was, was completely opposite to my relationship with my parents. Um, even though I had, I always say I had more behavior problems than my sister. I just didn't get caught. And the behavior problems that she had actually initially weren't that bad. It's just that they were a perfect, a perfect alignment with my parents. Both of them were parentified. Um, so they were one of the oldest of, of sibling groups of 10 and nine. So they had, they were hyper responsible. And my sister, she was born premature. She was in an incubator for three months. She weighed three pounds. She was, and so, so she was, I now know it to be emotionally arrested. So she was, we call it being socially and emotionally immature, but she was emotionally arrested from her early trauma experience. And she, you know, never got along with kids her own age. So she always wanted to play with children younger than her. She was defiant and she, she didn't get along in school very well, always had problems with the other kids. And that was always a source of angst and conflict for my parents. And it just grew. And so for years, I mean, we just lived in constant conflict. And the thing is, is that my parents, they did the absolute best that they could. They, they used every possible resource available to them, but they were old school because that's what everyone in our neighborhood, we all grew up that way, right? So they, what happens is when you have the working blueprints for something, when stress sets in, you typically, instead of doing something different, you just do more of it. 
So one whipping was never enough. It would become, you know, two or three whippings and, and grounding and yelling. And then it was just, it was just constant for years and years and years. And so that was kind of, you know, the backdrop of my, my inner home experience against these, these two people that worked extremely hard. You know, they were, they were predictable. They were consistent. They worked hard. They came home. They, 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 I never worried about a thing as a kid. I always had clothes, always had food, none of those kind of issues. But when you combine parents who came from tough circumstances themselves, who were stressed and overwhelmed, and you combine that with kids who are stress sensitive, it really can create a, 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 a very challenging situation. So that's pretty much what I grew up experiencing and living through. Well, and I would think that's part of, you know, the path that you eventually took. We'll get into that because you did become a licensed social worker and you mm-hmm. have such a heart for foster children, for adopted kids. But I know, um, also reading your book, um, from fear to love, you know, you, you talk a lot about not only foster and, and, and adopted kids that maybe go through some t- challenging things that others don't have to necessarily deal with. Cause maybe their start wasn't exactly the same, but there's a whole lot of kids that are biological in their own families. And there's a lot of issues. I know I took a lot away when I I was reading your book. What's one thing uh, before we switch gears on that topic that you could say to maybe a parent right now who has a really, really challenging kid. I know they can go to the post Institute um, online to get more information. You have a lot of stuff on there, but what's something you could just tell somebody, um, you know, that has maybe a really difficult child. It's very simple. Your child is stressed. Stress and fear are the, the two bigger, two biggest barriers to relationship in any home. And, and the thing is, is we just don't, we can't see it. You can't see the stress because it's at a neurologic, neurophysiologic level. It's your child has a stress sensitive brain. So what stresses them and what, what, put, what puts them in a state of overwhelm doesn't look the same for you or for other kids their same age. So see the stress, think about it from a perspective of stress and fear, and then ask yourself, what can I do to reduce the stress in my relationship with my child today? And then what can I do? And I always say, what are three things you can do to reduce the stress in your home and in your relationship with your child? And what are three things you can do to improve your relationship? So do more of those three things and do less of those other three things. I love that. That's great. Okay. So let's go back a little bit. Let's go to, you know, you said you were a good kid. You were, you know, you had these issues, but maybe they were underlying. What helped you to be able to become a collegiate football player? Oh, so I, from the time I was in the first grade, that's all I wanted to do. Um, I fell in love with Tony Dorsett, number 33 of the Dallas Cowboys, somewhere in there. And it is it is all other than being a superhero running around with a cape of Superman or being Captain America. All I ever want to do is play football. And it just it was it was it was such such a passion for me. It wasn't just a hobby. I was the kid who walked around with the football all day long. At a very young age, I started working out, going to the gym. It's all I wanted to do was just play football. And I always say that football was the catalyst to me even going to college. Without football, I wouldn't, I I don't think that college was in my in my purview of something that I was really interested in because I, school was easy for me. It, I never had to study real hard. It just came kind of natural, but it wasn't something I really enjoyed. I enjoyed playing football. And so that was, that was just it for me. I was just crazy about the game. That's a great point. I think a lot of athletes, I mean, there's some that definitely just struggle through school, but they do it so they can make grades. Even obviously in high school, you have to be able to get a certain grade point average to be able to compete. And so when you find those things that you love to do, even that can be the driving point to help you get, whether your high school graduation or, you know, your degree in college. Um, okay. So what was the, what would you say? I, I mean, I'm listening to you and I talk about goals, right. And the importance of that dreams. I mean, really we, sometimes they can just be dreams a vision you have, you just know where you wanted to end up. How important, because you've been an entrepreneur for over 25 years, you were a college athlete. Um, you've done, you've accomplished so many different things. How important is goal setting in all of this and knowing where you want to end up? Oh, I would say it's probably one of the next, next to perseverance goal setting is probably one of the most important things that a person has to do when they're 
working to achieve something of significance. And I, to, to go back to that football story, Mrs. Woods, my first grade teacher, who at the time seemed really old, and believe it or not, she just died like five years ago. So we always think she was a vampire. But she <laughs> asked she asked us in the first grade, like, what do you want to do? And she went around to all the kids. And I said, I want to play. I want to be a professional football player. And so that was probably the beginning of me setting a goal. And that was just a single goal. And as I got you know, through college. And then I started studying self-help materials and, you know, my background's clinical social work. So, so then I, as I started becoming an entrepreneur and kind of getting exposed to self-help and business and philosophy and things of that nature and started learning about, you know, goal setting, especially, I think I first learned about goal setting from Tony Robbins, maybe. And then, um, and then another guy named Mark Allen, um, he was talking about goal setting and I started writing my goals. I started hearing about the importance of not just having goals, but writing your goals. And so for years, probably 10 years, I've got journals up on journals of just writing goals every day, every day, every day, every day, because it's programming your unconscious. It's programming your reticular activating system in your brain. So it's a whole nother, there's a whole nother level to, to goal setting that people don't quite wrap their brains around. That when you set a goal, it's one thing. When you write a goal, when you speak a goal, and then when you continually condition your yourself for that goal, what you're doing is you're activating this nerve bundle in your brain called the reticular activating system, where you're actually pulling that energy, that vibration of that goal, you're pulling it towards you. That's why goal setting is so important. Because when you set a goal for something you want, if you're really, if you're really, um, bought into it. Like if it's, if it, if you make it a part of you, then what you're doing is you're, you're conditioning the vibration of your body, of your cellular system to attract that into your life. That's why goals are so important because you're actually programming yourself to see that and to make that happen for that to become a reality. That's why Napoleon Hill said, what the mind of man can conceive and, and believe he can achieve. Because if we can conceive it and think about it, and then if we can really believe it, but not just believe it like, oh, yeah, one day I want to do this, but believe it like I see myself in this. I see I, I, I feel myself in this goal. I, I, I dream about this goal. I think about it obsessively. Then we can achieve it because we're programming ourselves for it. I noticed that talking to a lot of different people that it really does. It starts with a thought. It starts with a thought and a desire. Right. And then it's like, well, that that's where I'm going to end up. And then what do I need to do to get there? And like, you talked about the perseverance piece, but you know, really just knowing it and knowing it and believing it. Um, you know, I saw people that I think didn't have, you know, always the top talent. I mean, maybe myself included, but yet I would say that belief almost could overcome the talent piece, you know, and even the passion as well and drive, which I think that's all tied together. Um, okay. So you, you went to college, you graduated. Did you immediately know, okay, I want to be a social worker. Like, is that, was that, you know, from when you were young, is that something no, you set out to do? Really? When I, I, I played college until my second year, after my second year, I decided I didn't want to play. I didn't want to play anymore. I was tired of being hurt. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm literally my next class was an introduction to social work. And I just fell in love. And so it was like one thing led to the next, led to the next. And then I went through undergraduate school. I had an opportunity to get a job before I got out of, not, uh, yeah, before I graduated my bachelor's degree, I had an opportunity to go to work for the social security department. I had me and another guy, I think they were just looking for a minority, actually. Me and the other guy interviewed and I got selected and I was like, no, thank you. I, that's not for me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> people who know me, like I have problems with authority. I would have never lasted in that position very well as very long. And so then I, um, like I said, I always got good grades in school. So I had a high GPA and a professor of mine in, in social work mentioned an advanced standing program at the University of Texas at Arlington. I didn't know what else I wanted to do. So I just decided to get a master's degree in social work. And so when I went there, um, in the midst of that, I met my first mentor and he's the one who directed my path into um, becoming a clinician and working with families and working with kids. So how long did you remain in, in that arena? And, and, you know, like what would you say you took out of it? I'm well, I'm still in that arena to this day. I, I have a, a company that um, I started three years ago that serves 
adoptive families in um, Northern California. I've, I've been doing it for over 25 years, working with adopted kids and families and children with behavior problems. And it's it's been my sole passion and purpose for my almost my entire professional career. I, I've also had a had a secret love affair with entrepreneurship. So it's something I've always done along the way, started various business ventures, but kind of that guiding post for me has always been the work I've done with families and um, in the, the, the lives I can change. And that's just take, it's taken me all around the world. You know, I've influenced lives of millions of people. So it's very cool and still get to do it to this day. We have a very cool team here in Northern California. We go into homes and work with adoptive families that are at risk. And, and um, I still do that. I'm in Sacramento today. I think that's something that is so needed and probably a lot of more people need to be checking out what you do and ask how they can do that in their own neck of the woods, because our kids, our kids need it. They're worth it. And um, they need to know how loved they are and how valued they are and that they have a future. Um, So yes, thank you for what you do already. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the entrepreneurship. What would you tell somebody right now? Who's like, I have these ideas. But what do I do first? Like, how do, how would you encourage somebody to step out and to, you know, maybe start a company or, you know, just have, take their dreams and make them a reality? You know, it's so interesting, Lee, I started my first business when I was six years old. It was a lemonade stand in my driveway. And I realized that I couldn't get any, any, this is where my marketing started. My marketing education came in as a six-year-old. I realized I couldn't get any traffic in my driveway. So I had to venture down the end of the block. And it's so funny. And my parents allowed me to do that. But my best day, I made $4 and 25 cents. I still, <laughs> I still remember that to this day. And, and the significant piece of that is that if someone is, is, has a, has a dream, they have a vision of, of starting their own business. The biggest thing is just to overcome your fear. You just overcome your fear and just take one step. You know, it's just one, you don't have, you don't have to go start an LLC. You don't have to go get insurance. You don't go have to go join the chamber of commerce. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Just do the smallest step towards that goal, towards that dream, towards that vision. And that could be, you know, taking, getting a, getting a picture of someone who's doing what you want to do and and put it on a board in in your bedroom or put it on your, your bathroom mirror and just look at it and start thinking about what your business is going to be like. See, a lot of times we just get too overwhelmed with all the, you know, some of you read these business magazines and then entrepreneur magazines and they're telling you, you got to do this, do this, and do this. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You just have to start taking action. And so you have to overcome your fear and you start taking a little bit of action, a little step at a time. You don't have to quit your job, work on your business at night. You know, we have 24 hours in a day. We usually, most people only work eight to 10 hours a day, unless they're you know, crazy like I am and work 16. Um, you got plenty of time to just spend a little time on your business and spend a little time on your business every single day. And pretty soon you're going to get to a place to where you're going to really decide whether this is something you want to do or something you don't want to do. And you might realize along that journey, if it's a if it's an idea that's going to work or if it's an idea that's not going to work. I mean, there's been a lot of times in my career as an entrepreneur that I've gone down a path in six months in, down the path, I'm like, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. So, you know, don't be afraid to just take the first step. And sometimes the first step is as simple as just writing down the vision for what you want to do and talk, going to talk to someone who's already doing it. That is such great advice. I think that can just be applied to anything because as an Olympian, right, we go out and we, we got to this point, but that's not where we started. And then even, even on the Olympic team, if you came to us on a day-to-day basis, we were doing the little things. It's just that when you do the little things long enough and well enough, and like you said, you take a little step forward every single day, pretty soon before you know it, you're the best in the world. And like you're saying, you're seeing success. And then, you know, now I'd love you to speak into how, um, maybe a couple core principles that you you've been in a lot of different areas, a lot of different fields. You've had a lot of different types of companies. What are maybe those couple core things that you've seen just weaved throughout every you know role that you've had or every job company you've started? Probably one of the biggest is relationships. You've you've got to be willing 
to talk to other people. You've got to be willing to open up, share. There's this idea that's going around now. I see it on social media sometimes that you don't, you know, you keep your ideas a secret because people are going to, you know, put you down and they're going to laugh at you. I don't believe in that at all. I believe if you have an, an idea, you talk to people about it because the more you talk to people about it, the more energy you're sowing into it. And so, and then those relationships, you start forming those relationships. I'd say that that's probably one of the biggest ones. And the second one is, is the, the willingness to take action. You know, we, it is, I think about this, as you mentioned, as, as for you being an Olympian and all the softball you've played, but think about the times when, when there's, when there's an opportunity and it could just be something fun where, where it's, you, you've got to step up to do it. Right. Where where so someone say someone's out pitching, pitching some softballs and they're offering people an opportunity to come take some hits and everyone's gathered around watching it and laughing. And you you get that inner that inner anxiety and you want to step up to that plate, but you it's just so hard to do it. That is that first step is probably in every single business, every single undertaking, every single endeavor. And if you just if you'll just take a few deep breaths and and push through that initial anxiety, which is just fear, it's it's fear of stepping outside of your comfort. That's all it is. It's, there's nothing more than that. It's that fear of stepping outside of your comfort. You step up to that plate, and that ball's going to get pitched, and you're going to take a swing. And the more you swing, the more comfortable and the more relaxed you're going to get. And so that's probably one of the second ones is just being willing to push through your fear and your anxiety to take action. I'd say those are a couple. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it really qualifies in everything that we do in so many different areas. I think so many people stop before they get started. And that's yeah. just it. And, and so much like Crystal Bustos, my Olympic teammate, when I interviewed her, that's something major that she talked about. She said, just doing it and doing it afraid and, and being willing mm -hmm. to try because the lessons you are going to learn, you cannot learn otherwise. Yes. And, and, and using again, even if it doesn't go well, like you said, or you want to shift gears, like you mentioned, you, then you can take what you learned from that and use it to the next thing you choose to do. The Gold Standard Podcast is brought to you by Major Media League. Major Media League is a revolutionary competitive app launching in June 2022. This app gives softball athletes a platform to showcase their skills by participating in challenges and having the chance to win prizes and scholarships. This is also an opportunity to promote your own talent. For all the athletes out there, it's free to join. So go sign up today at www.majormedialeague.com. The link is also in the show notes. You'll be notified when the Major Media League app launches. So get prepared for the unbelievable opportunity that lies ahead to grow your brand as an athlete. So the relationships, I think that's very, very important. And I think God crosses people, people's paths at different times also for a reason. And you and I were able to connect, um, last fall, which I'm so thankful for. Um, and, and one of the big reasons is you had gotten, uh, into this area, obviously you were connected through family and kids with softball, but let's talk a little bit about major media league and just even how you started this and what you're expecting to see out of it. Oh, Absolutely. So um, I've always been a learner, right? And I, I like to encourage people to learn. And I was just thinking this morning uh, about the masterminds I've been in. And that's how I, I met Jeff Hoffman, who um, introduced me to you. Um, how the more successful I become, the more I would want to do masterminds, because it's always given me an opportunity to learn and to grow. And so in this process, I, I, I met a guy named uh, Chris Flanagan, and he had a program where he's taking um, kids softball, girls softball abroad. Um, really neat guy. He's been changing a lot of lives for, for a long time. And being an entrepreneur, uh, I just, I mean, I've got this inner beacon where I just listen to people's ideas and my brain just goes to work and, and ideas come and the little puzzle pieces start coming together. And in the process of talking to Chris, I started formulating this idea about the major media league. And really at that point, it was, it was just expanding on what he was doing. And as I invested some time and some energy, and this is 
first conversation meeting this guy. I'm like, hey, do you want to partner in what you're doing? And then it's like, hey, I'm going to go to I'm going to go on this one of these trips abroad with you because I just want to learn uh, what you do. And not only that, I'm going to hire someone while I'm there to video the whole eight days because it's going to be good footage for you. It's just, it, you know, it's one of those take action things. And we don't fail, we learn. There's never, I think we get conditioned for failure from school where you got to make A's instead of F's. And if you make F's, it's bad. I think that's that's a that's bad conditioning. You know, you, do, you never fail. You always learn like you were just saying. And so over the period of time of doing that and, and just starting to think about that, and I love thinking about business. It's probably, it's probably next to thinking about my wife and my family and my, my kids. I just love thinking about business. And I love to think about God too. Love to have this. Just thinking about God is just a beautiful thing. <laughs> but but uh, I, I just, the more I spent time thinking about it, I thought, you know what? When I was a college athlete, and this is this is what kept coming up for me. When I was a college athlete, I um, I was on a scholarship, like so, all school was paid for, but I didn't have any money. And I called home one day and I said to my mom, "Hey, can you send me some money?" And she said, "Okay." And so I waited because this is during the time when you had the snail mail and wait in. They put it in the little mailbox. I went and checked the mail one day and there's a little check from my mom or little dollar bills. I think I can't remember, but it was four bucks. I waited all week for four bucks. And I thought, oh man, what can I do with four bucks? And so that, believe it or not, that has stuck in my head for years. That's 25, 30, 30 <laughs> years, 30 years. And I thought about major media league, but more than that, I thought about the college athlete who is out there. And then I thought about the high school athlete myself when I was in high school, who's out there working hard. They were, there were so many early mornings, Leah, when I'd get up, when I know it was 5.30 in the morning and there was not another high school kid up and I was walking and running down to the weight room and working out. And I had an older gentleman I worked out with and he'd get up and he'd come work out before he went to work. There was other kids weren't doing that. I busted my butt. To, to become a superstar in high school. And then I went to college and I didn't have any money. And I thought, you know what? All these kids today, they spent, especially these athletes, they work so hard to get to a certain level and they're spending so much time on social media. We call them being consumers, but they're actually producers. They're being producers for these social media platforms that isn't benefiting them in any way. So I thought, what if I can teach kids how to become producers for themselves via social media? Because everyone's got their phone. Everyone, we're, we're on our phone 100 times a day, looking through social media 100 times a day. What if I can teach kids how to a few times, a few times a day or a few times a week to do something that's po positioning themselves as a potential influencer or brand ambassador? And then that's how the thought of major media league started to come together. What if I could actually teach kids the skills of entrepreneurship and give them a platform to where they could compete for these different prizes and awards and things like that. And we could build this huge league that's really impactful and really influential. And then I can go to these big corporations and say, Hey, you need branding. You want marketing. You want advertising. I have all of these athletes. And unlike all the other platforms where you hire one influencer, you're going to be able to hire our entire league. So we've got thousands, hundreds of thousands of athletes at one time that will help your brand. And then what we can do is we can completely change the game with the contests that we do. And the contests are all social media related. Like we call it major media league, but it's all about social media activities and exercises and dances and, and goofy things like that. But what it's doing is it's helping children build, a, learn how to build a following and grow fans. And so we're creating a whole social media platform just for young athletes to help to inspire and to, to create impact and influence in their lives so that they can grow that and learn how to just determine, make, determine their own, like set their own path. Not going, you know, I, I love college, nothing wrong with college, but how many kids get out? In fact, my, my daughter's boyfriend 
He was a college athlete too, football player, great kid, all state, all these great things. He just finished finally five years of bachelor degree, physical therapy school, and he got offered a job for $12 an hour. 12, it, oh my gosh, it makes my stomach hurt just thinking about that. How it, it makes me sad how hard he's worked for all this time to be offered $12 an hour and how depressing and how sad that must be. And so I want to create a platform to where kids can, they can learn about entrepreneurship because it's truly the only way that you can control your own destiny. And we don't learn it in school today. And so I want to create that opportunity for them. And then I want to make corporations pay a lot of money to advertise on our platform. And then I want to be able to pay, you know, give kids full, full rides to college. I want to be able to, you know, give them cars and just, you know, all this great stuff. So that's, that's really what the major media league, that's kind of the seeds of what it was born from. <laughs> that is beautiful. I love this because it all goes back to your heart. It goes back to even just your childhood and what you want for others. And then again, ultimately to be able to, to neck, make this next generation better. And granted, we didn't grow up with social media, right? It's a whole new world. Right. And I think because of that, it's opened the door for so many other types of opportunities than we had when we were growing up. And so, oh, you know, and listening to you, I, I think right off the bat, like there's always going to be those top tier, very, very tiny percentage at the top that are everybody's going to be going after, they're going to be getting all the deals. And that's going to be the people that, you know, that everybody knows. But I feel like this is the other 99.5% of athletes that don't have that can yet can still use this platform and still learn from it. It's, it's that idea of learning. And I know for me, I mean, it's something that could have helped me. I mean, I was fortunate, um, you know, but I, I kind of played with some superstars that were the big names and I've been very blessed to do a lot of the things I have, but I can see how, yeah, the, the benefit it would, I would have had being able to learn how to build your brand at an earlier age. And I, for so long thought, well, I don't have a brand. And yeah. so, you know, just, I've learned a lot, you know, you and I are in a mastermind together and I've learned so much just from listening and gleaning from your wisdom. Like you said, I think who we surround ourselves with is so important. And, and that's, you know, for you, the action point, um, stepping out and taking action, the relationships, like you talk about, who are we learning from? Who are we around? Who are we next to, you know? Um, and then, and then just continuing to grow, to grow our minds and to, to learn. And, you know, really this podcast is happening because Brian, you and I, and back in November, we were in Texas, you brought me out for an event and you're, we're talking and you said, Hey, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And I said, yeah, you know, I've thought about it, but if I was going to do it, it had to have a purpose and I had to have a reason, you know, I really needed direction. And then just again, like you talk about you and I just chatting back and forth, it, we got some clarity and then I felt it just kept getting more and more narrow. And so really you're the reason, Brian, that's why I'm so happy to have you on this first season uh, because you're making dreams like mine come true <laughs> just because you've come into my life. And now people are able to hear stories of other, other Olympians and my Olympic coach and then people like yourself, um, as well. So, um, let's talk a little bit, you know, before we go, because we still want to get a couple of these points and your story, I think really kind of just really touches on every aspect of the gold standard. We talked about goals already. Let's talk about the overcoming obstacles, the perseverance piece. You mentioned how that is, you know, probably the main thing other than goals, like you said, and knowing where you want to go, um, you know, talk about that perseverance piece and how crucial that is for any of us to be able to reach, you know, any success that we're striving for. You know, Leah, the Bible talks about the scripture in the Bible that talks about faith, focus, and perseverance. Of those three things, you put those three things together and you can accomplish almost anything, anything that you want. And perseverance is, and, and man, I have, I have, I have gone through so much. I mean, the, the so many dark days. And that, and it, it goes back to the overcoming obstacles, goes back to the goals. I've gone through those dark days because I had those goals as a guidepost for where I wanted to end up and not allowing myself to get mired down into where I was at, but where I wanted to go. So when it got really dark and when it was really hard or when something didn't work out or there was some big emotional challenge in my life, it was never about the right now. This is, this is just the, 
the, the diamond, the coal that's being compressed and heated because I'm going somewhere. And so it's like, if you keep your eye on the prize, if you keep your eye on the goal, that's why you got to have those goals because obstacles are going to freaking come because obstacles are what occur in your life to strengthen you and grow you to be able to become the person to achieve your goals. So if you have a big goal, you have to imagine you're going to have to overcome major obstacles because that's the growth process. You don't have it in your life right now because you're not ready for it. But when you will stretch yourself, when you'll stretch yourself and you'll go through the challenges and you'll go through the obstacles, it's getting, that's what's going to get you to the goal. So that's, it's, it's just, uh, uh, you know, and this is why I have so much respect for athletes because most athletes like yourself who, who reach the heights of, of athletic performance and achievement, you started young. And I know that journey as an athlete is mired with loss. It's mired with pain. It's mired with disappointment. And so there, there's thousands of experiences that you have to go through to condition your mind. And people, I just, in our society, I feel like we don't embrace that mindset, what it takes to get that mindset of peak performance, to get to that place. We always, we want to take things and we, we want to, we want to disseminate it down to where it's so easy, right? We, we want to make it look so simple and, oh, you know, well, she's, she's lucky because she's tall and, and she's fast and, you know, oh my gosh, there's so much more to it than that. So obstacles, embrace them, love them, love the process, cry through it, sweat through it, bleed through it, and stay focused on the goal because you're going through the obstacle in order to grow yourself to get to the goal. I have to just say what you said, the bigger the goal, the bigger the obstacles, but that's part of it because you are going for something so big. And it's true. Every level that I, you know, reached that was newer and higher college. And then the Olympics, like there were new challenges, harder challenges, but you're right. It just made me dig deeper and grow more and learn more. And then that's what helped me to be able to be on that podium next to my teammates. So you just said that so, so well, well. And that's, that's the perseverance part, right? You, you have to keep going. You just don't quit. If you will just keep going, it is going to work out. Yeah. And, and it's true. We don't blare everywhere. The discouragement, the frustration, the days that we want to give up, or we think we're not good enough. You know, that's not something we vocalize, but it, no. you're right. It's like, it's just, if we chose not to walk away, if we chose to continue, right. And, and everybody has different situations, but I can look at moments that I, I had my freshman year of college do, can I really make it at this level? You know? And, and I think, in some ways, it's okay to question that if you'll just keep going and find out. <laughs> and let me, let me, I want to share something really, really vulnerable here, Leah, because it doesn't stop just because you've reached success. It is a part of everything. I mean, I'm, I'm launching the major media league, but my other business, I have several other businesses all in different stages of growth and they all have their own challenges and they all make me feel insecure at various times. It it's like, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for 25 years. You know, I've, I've had 20 different businesses. I've, I've grown businesses to millions of dollars and I feel significantly insecure about this new business and, and where I'm at in this other business. And it's like, oh my gosh. And there's so many times I want to just pack it up and I want to go home to mama's house and eat mama's <laughs> fried chicken and lay on the couch and drink sweet tea and, you know, just be taken <laughs> care of. I'm 49 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good because it's so true. Like it doesn't stop. It's just when it comes recognizing it's going to yes. still be there. But That's I right. am too. <laughs> I'm going to fight back. Okay. So the leadership piece, um, I just think you're a great leader. At the times I've been around you, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. For me personally, there's just something about like your calmness. Like you said, like there's just something when it's like when other people can feel like they can be heard, um, you know, around you. What, what is the most important to you as a CEO? Like you said, having so many different companies. So you're working with a lot of people. What's most important for you as a leader? 
I think probably one of the most important things is just knowing that I don't have all the answers. And that's, that's probably, that's probably a, a big one for me. And the other one probably is equally in, is important is remembering to breathe, to breathe and keep myself present and open and in a loving place. And, and being in a, being in a loving place doesn't mean that, you know, um, things are always going to work out and, and every relationship's going to work out. Sometimes you got to make tough calls, but I want to, I want to do it from a place of love. I'm going to do it from a place of, of presence and mindfulness. And so those are, those are probably the big ones, big ones for me is, is just knowing that I don't know it all, being willing to, to keep trying to learn and reach out and, and, you know, also holding true the, the importance and value of relationships. You know, we're, we're going through a situation in my, one of my businesses right now with a, a few of my coworkers, my teammates, they're just really struggling. And, and one of them's really triggered. And it's so interesting to watch these adults regress to adolescence. But it, it's something I've, I've seen a lot of. And to try to stay present and navigate through that in a really loving and, and connected way um, can be really challenging. Um, another thing that I want to mention, though, um, when it comes to leadership is Cornell West. He is a human rights activist and he's a, I think he's a professor at Princeton right now. And he's the black guy with the big Afro and the big goatee and the big gap. And he wears the suit. You see him on TV a lot. But um, I met him in an airport in Jacksonville, Florida years ago. And I sat down with him and I said, um, what, what's the key to success? And he said, don't, don't try to be successful. He said, you're already successful. He said, if you're flying and you're here in this airport right now, he said, you're already successful. Work to be great. He said, be great. He said, now that's, that's something to strive for, to be great. And I've always, and that was my 25 years ago when, when he told me that. It's one of those things that I feel like it, from a leadership standpoint, I've not always been a great leader. You know, I've, I've failed my 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 team many times and I just I keep trying to learn I keep trying to grow it's funny I was thinking about one of the first business I ever started and, and uh, I, you know I had a great team but I was an immature leader and sometimes it's just a matter of you know we we've got to we got to go through the process to to grow into our maturity and into our wisdom I think that's something important to remember too just because we're put in a leadership position we are always growing and that's going to change over time. Like you said, we should be becoming better leaders all the time, right? It's, yeah. it's not, we, we don't usually lead the same way we do from year one to year 15, right? I saw that with my coaches and I'd hear stories and, you know, I see people, you know, talk about that coach used to do this with us, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and so that's the, the point is evolving and growing and learning as well as culture. I mean, you know, I'm thinking of that from the athletic standpoint, there's a lot of athletes they're saying, you just can't treat them the same. Even in parenting, I've heard like the things like, you know, that used to work, don't really work these days. And right. some of it probably never worked in the first place. <laughs> so, um, as we finish up with the D, the dedication, the drive, you're dedicated, you are driven, right? You, you've, you've done that action piece. You show up daily. What would you say that somebody could kind of focus on? You've, you've mentioned a lot, just taking action, but mm -hmm. is there something specific on a daily basis that you would say in that? Cause I feel like the dedication piece is almost that, like where it all comes together. It, it is that it's the action piece. Like you mentioned, um, is there something specific that you would say, um, that helps you or could help others like in that kind of daily mindset, because it's a grind sometimes. It is, it is a grind. And, and I would, my answer to that would be to never stop learning, learn every single day, every day, Leah, I listen to some kind of educational video. I read some kind of educational material, some kind of inspirational material, I am a consummate learner. And the reason, and, and sometimes it's, it, it's not even, I was sitting with a friend or I, a friend, I picked up a friend once um, to go to dinner. And when he got in the car, I was listening to an audio program and he said, and he listened to it for a few minutes as I was trying to turn it off. And he said, that seems kind of basic for you. And I was like, exactly. I have to keep repeating the same stuff. The more, the more I will learn the most basic level of stuff, 
the more it just conditions me and strengthens me. So I would say just keep learning. And if you want to, if you want to start a business or if you want to, you know, my, my mom and I were talking about this the other day. The first book that I remember reading that turned me on to reading was a book called Out of Control by Thomas Hollywood Henderson, who was a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys in the 1970s. I found that book in, in Mountain View, Oklahoma, in our little podunk grocery store on this little book rack. It was a paperback book. It had something to do with football. I happened to have $5 and I bought it. And that book changed, changed my life. It, it turned me on not only to the focus on, on higher performance, but it turned me on to reading. It, 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 after that, I, I read other football books, other football books. That was all that was important to me was football. But it was that book, Out of Control, that opened me up to reading. And it, it completely changed my life. I told my mom, I've got to, I'm going to reach out to Thomas Hollywood Henderson one of these days. But if you want to start a business, learn. You know, Gary Vee says, you know, go and, and do 40 hours of, of, of YouTube, 40 hours of Google. It's all there. It's right here on your phone. And the more you'll start pouring into yourself, the more your anxiety and your fear drops. So the, the more you learn and the more you know and the more you grow, the less your fear is. And, and that's because you are expanding the presence of love in your being. You're expanding the, the love in your energy and in your vibration by sowing into yourself. And the more you sow love into yourself, the dimmer fear gets. And that's that's what we want to get to. We want to get to we're a place that we're we're just we're just all love and we're just vibrating love and and let love guide you. Don't let fear hold you back because that's all fear is going to do. It's going to hold you back. Let love guide you and have courage and just keep pushing forward. Yes. Let love guide you. That is so great. And and like you said, I think the more that you do read, I think sometimes you realize, wow, okay. They might've shared something I didn't know, but another ways are just like me or, you know, oh. okay, I have these strengths and it does so much. It really does widen and expand your understanding, your knowledge, your wisdom. Um, that is just such great advice. So I just want to thank you so much, Brian, for coming on and just sharing your wisdom. I think this is something that people need to hear because, um, you know, again, you, you started out, you were adopted. There was, you know, stuff that happened in your family that you were able to turn for good. You were able to turn and utilize in such a positive way. You've now impacted so many children and families around this country and continuing to with, you know, all your books. How many books do you have really quick? Uh, 13, 13 books, even that you're just a best-selling author. So you've done so many different things, but I feel like for every one of us, um, it's just, we're never too young. We're never too old to be making a difference. We just have to take action. Like you said, and not allow fear to hold us back. So thank you so much again for coming on. Leah, I, before we go, I just want to say, I am so grateful for you. You, you are, you are such an amazing light. And if anyone has an opportunity to hear you speak in person or bring you into their organization to speak, it is it is a it is a life changing, uplifting, inspirational experience. And I just I want to thank you for what you're doing. I want to thank you for exposing the world through the Gold Standard Podcast to all these preeminent athletes and this this mindset. My mom and I were listening to your first episode the other day with Jenny Finch. We were driving through the desert. And I just said to my mom, I said, this is so awesome. I said, for a young athlete to have an opportunity to hear from the premier athletes in our society about mindset and about goals. I mean, oh my gosh, you just, <laughs> you just fired me up so much. And so I just want to, I want to give you your flowers and, and thank you. And, and I'm just so honored to, to be a part of your life and, and the things that you do. Well, thank you. And we know that this is just the beginning for major media league for the gold standard podcast and everything. So again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to tell your friends, share it, rate it, review it, and, you know, make sure to tell people to subscribe. So more people can hear just other people, just like Brian post that we've had on today um, and all the others. So thanks again. Brian Post shared so many great comments. A couple I wanted to point out first and foremost um, was our willingness to take action, even if it's just the smallest step that 
the littlest thing that is moving forward and not allowing something to stop us in our tracks, to make us go backwards or, you know, not allowing fear to keep us from even starting in the first place. A lot of people find themselves in that situation. And so it makes me think about being on the Olympic team and our coach would just roll us ground balls each day. And I think, you know, some people might be surprised by that. They think, oh no, they must be out there just diving for balls every single play, but it was the opposite. We probably worked more on fundamentals than a young tenant at her team does because it was such a crucial foundation that we had every day. And then what happens, we always built off of those fundamentals. And I think back to the Olympic championship game, winning the gold medal. And I just remember our shortstop getting so many ground balls in Athens, Greece, Natasha Wally was fielding and she just got so many hard hit ground balls, but she made it look easy. And I, and I just remember thinking that goes back to all those ground balls every single day, they were rolled to us first and then they were hit to us. And so our fundamentals were so good that it made the hard things look easy. If we take those little steps each and every day, those things that were hard, they're going to become easier. And then we're going to just keep taking new strides and new steps. Also always being willing to learn and to grow. That's something we've never arrived. I remember you know, competing as an Olympian and winning three gold medals with my teammates and then thinking I still had stuff I could have learned or all the coaches, you know, they, you know, continue to be the best in the world, Mike Candrea, but he said he always had something to learn. And Brian shared that as well. And so that's just a good reminder to all of us until the day we die, we always have something more to learn and to grow from. And then just lastly, I liked how he said, the bigger the goal, the bigger the obstacles. We're going to face obstacles. It's a matter of being ready for them, recognizing them when they occur, and then finding ways to get through them, finding people maybe that can help us over some of those obstacles if that's the case and that's what we need. But ultimately, it's it's recognizing that everybody's going to face obstacles. And the bigger things we do, the harder the situations we're going to face. But from that, we're also going to grow more than we ever have before. So I hope that you were encouraged by things that Brian shared. I know I was, and just remember to keep using all of this information so you can live out the gold standard in your life. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the gold standard podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag gold standard podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.